0: We're going Formula One now. What a race yesterday! Great viewing time for us here in New Zealand. I am joined by Ed Spencer, who's a feature writer for a wonderful motorsport website, which you should have a look at if you're in, if you're a petrol head, like a lot of our listeners are, total motorsport. Ed Spencer, Ed, Vegas, uh, first time ever um, on the success scale. I'd have to give it a big tick myself. What about an expert like you?
1: I would give it a tick considering where we were uh, after, Friday, after Friday where it was looking pretty grim. But it seemed like the race turned around and we had a fairly good Grand Prix, I would say, but all things, considered, the drivers. Like the circuit, the fans were in attendance and well-packed into the stands. So I would say it was a fairly OK Grand Prix. There's still some teething troubles that need to be ironed out, but that's all for, for 2024. The only real complaint, I would say, is probably the start time was a little bit off-piece maybe could have brought that forward. I think a few of the drivers, such as Danny Rick and Lance Stroll, had similar. But all in all, for a first time, it well, was too bad.
0: As, a, as an example of sport these days where broadcast numbers are king, because um, flag fall at 10 o'clock at night in Vegas, one of the practice sessions went till 4 o'clock in the morning so the Europeans could watch. It's a real illustration of how important broadcast numbers are.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's always been very good to Butler. They've always hosted the big fights, the big sporting events really late at night to maximise uh, that TV audience. Although, the reason why we were pushed back to, uh, you know, some sessions were a little bit later at night it was probably because the track had issues on Thursday night, as we all know. We can't signs. But I think you need to maximise that TV audience, but you also need to think of the personnel bearing in mind they've been on their feet pretty much since Wednesday it's been a grueling season and you know a little bit of leeway, leeway would be a big problem but it's all about finding that common balance between television and what the teams and the personnel who make the circus run want so I think it's it's all in its place for next year and I think it will probably change a little bit hopefully for the better
0: Uh, And for me, uh, I'd I'd call myself a casual Formula One fan. Um, It was exciting. Lots of overtaking. It wasn't the follow the leader stuff that we see at some other Grand Prix. So I guess for people like me, Ed, who's not an expert in it like you, I I actually quite enjoyed it. And yes, there were teething problems, but I like a track that affords good drivers, um, battle of wits into those slow corners, high speeds down the straights.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the circuit did punish mistakes, and it also it also favoured the the drivers who were willing to get their elbows out, which is Oscar Piastri, who turned water into wine, starting from P nineteen, and he got sorry P eighteen, and he finished P ten today with some really gutsy moves during the race, and also about Ocon as well, P sixteen, in qual- P sixteen, of course, didn't have a particularly good qualifying. And he ends up P4, although it was P5 at the flag. Lance Stroll same thing. He picked up ten positions at the start, so it's definitely a circuit which is not overly, overly forgiving. So that's probably what made it better uh, for the viewers and for the drivers alike. And also, we had that great battle near the end between Charles and Checo, which I'd have to say really was enthralling to watch from not only from a viewing point of view but also from a professional standpoint. So all in all, this was definitely not one of those street circuits where you watch after 20 laps and think, can we watch a battle of fifteenth? There might be an overtake <laughs> Yeah, or there.
0: Track temperature was talked about a lot, entire compounds, all that sort of stuff. Um, I thought it added to the intrigue, but for a purist – um, uh, racing earlier in the day, you're obviously going to have a higher track temperature. Although I wouldn't be surprised, if Fagus rip up the track and put some heated water pipes under it, or, or something like that. Did, did that have a big bearing on the outcome, the track temperature, and, and the decisions around tyres?
1: Well, we we all thought it was going to be very cold coming into the weekend, and it was fairly chilly. Uh, but it did affect, you know, in terms of the fact that you had to get the tyre, you know, spend long get the tires warmed up and particularly under the safety car where they're going slower the tires do cool down and that makes the restart particularly tougher i think personally you know it would be a bit of a it would be a bit of a decision you have to really consider adding heaters into the the surface but i don't feel it would do all that much in terms of improving the racing i think it'd probably make it worse after all everyone was expecting it to a key 2020 repeat when the surface had been only newly resurfaced, and it was like watching dancing on ice. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, you have to think about what is safe for the drivers, but you also have to look at the entertainment aspect. We did get a lot of entertainment in terms of drivers overtaking and maximising the grip from the tyres and getting them warmed up as quick as possible. But you do have to think, you know, you have to look at both sides of the story.
0: Max Verstappen, um, gosh it's so many headlines around him saying he, he didn't think it was a great race, it was going to be 1% race, 90, 99% pomp. I laughed uh, they went in car, he got that penalty, a 5 second penalty for um, the very first corner incident when they told Max, he said good as gold, give them my regards he, he's quite a character
1: He is very much a character and as he's become you know, more, He's spent more time in on Formula One. He's become more and more outspoken. But the weird thing is, he's gaining more and more fans by it. I think people love that kind of attitude of, oh, hold bars, no prisoners taken, say what you think. Mm-hmm. It's what the sport does want. And although everyone likes, you know, a lot of people like Lewis, a lot of people like Fernando, a lot of people are starting to warm up, back, back, particularly the younger generation, and a lot of purists, particularly, rallied behind his comments regarding the race being a bit of a, a bit of a show and tell. And he he did produce some one-liners. I mean, the whole comment that he felt like a clown during the driver introduction <laughs> set the tone very nicely for, for the weekend ahead. And the, the other thing is he backed his performances up. Some drivers, they talk a lot in the media debriefs. They talk a lot, you know, coming into the weekend, but they simply can't back it up. Max always does it week in week out it's that consistency that bulletproof consistency which makes him what he is today which is a triple world champion and I feel probably on course to reach 100 wins by maybe 26
0: 27. the amazing thing about his record um, he just seems to have been so dominant for so long but he's still only got just just over half the wins of Lewis Hamilton so he's still got a long long way to go to catch Lewis and I feel like Lewis Hamilton's just sticking around Formula One trying to get a car that's going to just add to his add to his numbers what what do you see the future of Lewis Hamilton
1: I see the future with Lewis is that I think Mercedes is probably going to be his last stopping point. Bearing in mind, in May time, there was rumours that he was going to go to Ferrari and Charles was going to go the other way. For me, I didn't see it really happening. Why would Lewis go to a project like Ferrari, have to to spend a year developing, year learning, and then potentially maybe get one or not even a title crack in 2526? Mercedes is his team. They know how he ticks. They know how he works. They know what suits him. If he went to another team, it might be a, a bit of a recipe for you know a recipe for disaster. So I think Lewis needs a good car in 2024 if he wants to challenge. The last two Mercedes have not been quick and they've more or less restricted him to finishing second sporadically. I feel that if the W14, W15 is up to muster, You could give Max a challenge. I definitely feel that Lewis is one of still one of the best drivers out there. You don't suddenly become an also ran overnight, and I don't see him Lewis being an also ran this year. I've seen flashes of brilliance from Lewis, particularly at races such as Austin, where he pushed Max all the way. Hungry, he got that great pole position, and yeah, I think this will be his last contract. Maybe he'll do one more year, twenty twenty six, to say, "Oh, you know what? What To hell with it. Let's go for it." But I can't see him doing an Alonso where he's racing till maybe 45, 46, so. But I, I think as long as he sticks around the entry will be there. what will it be like if we get a sequel to 2021?
0: Talking to Ed Spencer, a feature writer for Total Motorsport website. Go and have a look at that. Lastly, and it's going to be no surprise to you that I'm going to ask you about Liam Lawson. What's the chances, probably not next year, but maybe the year after, of him getting a seat in Formula 1? Sometime, somewhere, somehow? Well,
1: I think... Well, I think, personally, I think Liam, first and foremost, did an outstanding job in his his cameo, considering that he had very little time to learn the car, and he was instantly... After just one weekend, he was instantly there. And he was giving Yuki Yuki Snow a run for his money. So I definitely think a number of teams will be looking at him, particularly William, if Logan Sargent struggles a little bit in 2024. Alfa Romeo, they're going to be, or as hard as they will be called, be hunting around for drivers in case Valtteri Bossas moves on or Joe Guanyu doesn't really deliver. There's also Haas as well. Maybe Hulkenberg or Magnussen go somewhere else. And of course, Alpha Tauri are going to be looking around for his signature in case, that say, Perez, Sergio Perez gets moved on from Red Bull and Daniel Ricciardo gets promoted or they go elsewhere, like Lando Norris, for example. So I definitely see in 2025 at least he will get the drive. 2024, I think it will be a year where he has to shop around and get his shop his face further in the shop window than it already has. The question is, we only have 26, and most of them are usually locked up. But of course, 2024, 2025 is going to be the so 2025 is going to be the year where most of the drivers are going to be out of contract. And it's really going to be like trying to get your towel on the sunbed first. It's going to be a mass cannonball charge for that first seat. And Liam's got plenty of options if he can, you know, impress the teams, which I think he will.
0: Mm. Brilliant, Ed. Um, great to chat to you today. So uh, thanks for staying up for us over there in your homeland and talking to us down here in New Zealand. Um, we both give Vegas a tick, so I think that's a good thing. Uh, thanks heaps for joining us today.
1: Pleasure. Thanks very much.